0: Europol's latest agency tackles financial and economic crime, cybercrime as seen through the eyes of London's top cybersecurity police, and maintaining the paper trail with mobile voting. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. The COVID-19 pandemic has been a godsend for cybercriminals. Not coincidentally, Europol... The European Union Law Enforcement Agency has launched a new department, the European Financial and Economic Crime Centre, to deal with the significant increase in criminal activity exploiting the pandemic and the newly remote workforce. With more details on this news, here is Isaac Executive Editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz. Europol, the EU's
1: Law Enforcement Intelligence Agency, has launched a new European Financial and Economic Crime Centre. The timing of the launch, happening during the COVID-19 pandemic, is no coincidence, as Europol says fraud has been surging in recent months. Europol is led by Catherine de Bol, who was previously the chief commissioner of the Belgian Federal Police. Speaking at a recent press conference, she said that one of her priorities, upon taking command of Europol, was to create a strong center devoted to fighting financial and economic crime.
2: Economic and financial crime is a low-risk crime, while offering potentially very, very high profits. And this is the combination organized crime groups like, high profit and low risk. This dynamic makes the criminal activities very attractive to organized crime.
1: With the COVID 19 pandemic continuing, Europol felt a sense of urgency to get more dedicated resources into the fight against economic and financial crime, says de
2: The time to create the Financial and Economic Crime Center is now, and we have the right momentum. As the COVID 19 pandemic in Europe has provided ample evidence that criminals are quick to adapt their criminal schemes to changing conditions to exploit fears and vulnerabilities. The fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic will test the resilience of our economic and social infrastructure for years to come. Law enforcement authorities across Europe must prepare themselves to counter an increasing number of cases involving economic and financial crime. The unfortunate paradox of any economic crisis is that while a recession entails hardship for the illicit economy, criminal activities take advantage and exploit opportunities emerging as a result of an economic downturn. In addition, economic stimuli, such as those proposed in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, will be targeted by criminals seeking to defraud public funding.
1: Europol has come a long way since it was officially stood up in 1999, when the Treaty on European Union came into effect. In 2013, Europol launched EC3, its European Cybercrime Center. Other centers have created dedicated teams at Europol headquarters in the Netherlands devoted to helping EU member states tackle migrant smuggling, serious and organized crime, and for counterterrorism. The latest centre, the European Financial and Economic Crime Centre, is being backed by EU Home Affairs Minister Ilva Johansson. Here she is speaking at the press conference.
3: This is really a good time to launch this new centre to follow the money. By depriving criminals of their gains and ensuring the crime doesn't pay, we can disrupt their criminal activities. We need to intensify investigations and prosecutions, facilitate proactive financial and intelligence-led investigations, asset recovery, freezing and confiscation of profits. Going after criminal money requires specific expertise, and also in the digital era, because the money now is not so often cash, but it's digital, and that means also a specific competence to follow it. And this new European financial and economic crime centre will contribute to stepping up the use of financial investigations across the European Union. This new centre will also promote better cooperation between the public and the private sector. And this is an important area. Cooperation with private parties such as banks is key to the success of financial investigations.
1: Johansen says that the European Commission will introduce legislation to make it easier for Europol to work with the private sector, including banks, to investigate suspected crime and follow the money. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're
0: listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Maintaining the theme of European policing in this week's podcast, Anna Delaney, Director of Productions at ISMG, spoke with Andrew Gould, Director Superintendent and National Cybercrime Programme Lead at the Metropolitan Police in London. Among the things they discussed were current trends that Andrew is witnessing in terms of cybersecurity attacks exploiting the pandemic. Here he is.
4: Um, I think for us, we, we, people won't be surprised to, see, to, to say that um, it, it's kind of more of the same, but more. So we are definitely seeing, we think, an increase in volume, um, certainly what's being reported to us and, and, and conversations with colleagues at NCSE. But it's too soon to say whether that's whether that's going to become um, like a permanent trend. But at the moment, I'd say we're, we're probably seeing a 20 to 25% increase of what's coming through to us. But a lot of that is, um, is personal victims. It's not businesses. So I think, um, you know, talking to friends in industry, uh, in the cybersecurity world, what it, I think people are very much in crisis management mode. We've got a lot of challenges, um, new ways of working from home, maybe procuring new kits, trying to, and then try and sort out all the processes and, and security to to almost catch up. Just trying to maintain business as usual. The last thing, you know, if people are reluctant to put to report or ask, ask for help from law enforcement to start with, they're even less likely to do it in this crisis period. And also, I think we're we're less we're less likely for business. Businesses to actually see what's impacting them. If you've got a skeleton crew or furloughed teams or people working from home, people are not in fully operational socks. They're not. They're not. They don't have access to all their systems and networks and capabilities from home often in a way that they would in their workplace. So it's much harder to identify and mitigate the uh, the, the threats that they're seeing um and then managing it from home becomes even more difficult so um the last thing they're going to do is then is is then be talking to us and we totally understand that um so it's quite an interesting trend we see an increase in public reporting probably a reduction or a maintenance uh, of what we see from business so are we going to see coming over the hill as more and more people kind of get back to get back to some sense of normality or back into their workplaces are we going to see a big spike in reporting as they start to identify what maybe they haven't seen in the last three months? So that's that's one concern. In terms of the threat types themselves, again, it's very much business as usual. We're seeing um, the overwhelming overriding priority and concern for us is always ransomware. Everybody knows you know, the, the impact and the issues that, that come with that. We're seeing uh, a lot of that. We're seeing that become more... Um, focused and targeted, more technically sophisticated, but we were seeing that pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. Um, I think the, but but where we have seen a change is is that is an is an increase in criminals using COVID nineteen as a lure um, or a hook. So whether that's phishing emails around messaging about you know, paying furloughed staff or whatever from HMRC, or um, uh, point to be from the NHS offering tests or information on, on 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 the on the threat of COVID in your particular area, significant increase in that, obviously, um, uh, and then that obviously with a level of interest. Criminals will use whatever's going on currently to to make whatever they're doing more more more, more attractive and 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 make the public more likely to fall for it, and, and that's exactly what we're seeing in this at the moment. So ransomware is still the main threat, phishing probably the next. The next concern, um, not so much a criminal threat, but the vulnerabilities that have been um, created by working from home. That's a significant area of concern. Um, and then the the, the 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 general ever-present threat around cyber-enabled fraud. But but if there was one thing we wanted people to focus on, it would be that that ransomware threat and and the importance for uh, effective backups, off-site, off-network. Um, and all all that good advice that your your viewers will be very familiar with.
0: Finally, with only five months to go until the November presidential election in the United States, there are some very significant concerns relating to how these will occur in the age of COVID-19. There's maybe a canary in the mind for what things may look like in the fall. The statewide primary election held in Georgia this Tuesday can only be described as a debacle. Voters waited as long as four hours to vote and in some cases found precincts closed or without ballots when they arrived. Local judges issued emergency orders to allow precincts remain open past the 8 pm statewide closing time in 20 of the state's 159 counties, including many of the most populous. The state of the pandemic aside, the question remains why are we still using such archaic means of voting? Why is it when we can do all our banking, shopping, and even doctors' visits via our mobile phone? Why is it that voting cannot be moved to this device also? Often the pushback pertains to concerns relating to the loss of a paper trail. But in an interview this week, I conducted with Nimitz Sawney, founder and CEO of Votes.inc, a mobile voting platform. He explains that the solution doesn't have to be binary and that mobile voting can also include a very secure paper audit trail. Here he is explaining how that works.
5: Once you've uh, completed the onboarding and you're, you've been deemed eligible to participate in the election, what happens in the background is, this is and this is set up even prior to the election is happening, uh, it has begun, is the paper ballot design is happening because the primary voting system still is using paper ballots and, you know, in-person voting. Yeah. So that's where the election initially gets set up. And as the paper ballots are designed, we get the digital designs from the jurisdiction and, you know, the control files. And so we convert them into a, a mobile-friendly format so it's, you know, nice-looking, on your, on your smartphone. Mm-hmm. And so you get, as soon as you've completed your verification within a few minutes after that, you will get a notification saying for oh, your specific precinct, which is your in-person voting location, this is the digital ballot. So you can go in, you can start marking the ovals for the various contests. Um, and then once you've finished, you may be asked to sign an affidavit on the screen where you use your finger to actually okay. sign. And that's a legal affidavit. And then once you're ready to submit, you you still have a chance to go back and edit. But once you're final, you confirm with a a biometric credential, which would be a fingerprint, face ID, or whatever, you know, second factor you're using. The phone then encrypts the traffic, anonymizes it, and sends it off to the network like we discussed uh, a few, few minutes ago. Then you, as a voter, get an instant digital receipt. So the receipt is digitally signed, protected, and can also self-destruct if needed and the, the goal of the receipt is to give you an instant confirmation as a voter that what oval you marked on the screen is what got transmitted to the to the other end okay. and on the on the receiving end at the jurisdictions and a paper ballot is generated for whatever ovals you've marked and it's the paper ballot which is actually tabulated
0: That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.